0: So as mentioned earlier, we uh, will begin a series on the Holy Spirit, and this morning we read from two brief passages, and the first is from John 14, verses 15 to 17a, and this story is a night before Jesus' betrayal by Judas, and it's a couple of months before his ascension, where Jesus said in John 14, "'If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth.'" The next story is from Acts 1, which has its context after Christ's death and his resurrection. Jesus is spending his last 40 days on earth. He has not yet ascended into heaven, nor has the Holy Spirit been poured out upon the people, which occurred on Pentecost Sunday. Right before Jesus' ascension, Jesus commanded the disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they have received the gift the Father had promised. So we read in Acts 1, beginning at verse 1, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked them, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. I came across and read this story this past week. It's probably not true. Who knows, really? You can be the judge of that. But this fellow was preparing to die, and before he did, he asked his wife to make a promise. Please promise me that when I die, you'll put all my money in the casket with me, because I want to take my money into the afterlife with me. And so he got his wife to promise him with all her heart that this would happen, and she did. So he passed away, and they had the funeral, and right before the funeral director was to close the casket, she said, wait a minute, and she had this box with her, and she walked over and put the box into the casket, and the casket was then closed and taken away. And the wife's friend met up with her and whispered, girl, like I know you weren't fool enough to put all that money in there with your husband. The wife answered, I'm a Christian. I can't go back on my word. I promised him that I would put all the money in with him. The friend looks at the wife and says, you mean you really did put all that money inside the casket with him? And the wife said, I sure did. I wrote a check. And if he can cash it, he can spend it. Promises, promises. We all make them. We probably all break them. And at times, we may even twist things around a bit towards our advantage, like the woman in this story. Well, in Scripture, there are several promises made by God to his people. And throughout Scripture, we also see that these promises or prophecies also come true exactly as God had said, because God makes promises, and God does not break the promises, or he doesn't even twist them toward his benefit. In our passage today, we have a promise that was made to the people. John 14, Jesus refers to this promise right before his death. And Jesus says that the Father will give you the spirit of truth. And then Jesus again states the promise in Acts 1, when Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the, that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And they did hear about what Jesus was speaking about in John 14 and other passages. Sometimes, as in our earlier story with the money the promise sometimes gets somewhat intentionally twisted or maybe even unintentionally misunderstood. Now again, it doesn't get twisted by God, but sometimes what happens is that the promise is misunderstood by his people. And that probably occurs a lot with God's people over the history and even presently. We hear promises from God's word and, and we, we trust things, but we end up, kind of twisting things and misunderstanding things and maybe even doubting things. Well, the disciples heard these words of Jesus, wait for the gift my father promised. They heard the promise and and it was like an excitement came upon them. And they asked Jesus, Lord, this is so cool because are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They thought the promise was the restoration of Israel. Again, sometimes we misunderstand promises. And the disciples, in this case, they get distracted with what the promise was. They get sidetracked with the circumstances around them. And it's not that Jesus doesn't think that Israel's restoration is unimportant, but Jesus is talking about more important things. And he's referring to the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then even at the end of the story, the disciples again distracted with the drama of the whole event. Of course, it would have been so amazing to be present and to see Jesus taken up right before their eyes and then seeing the clouds hide him. And then two men dressed in white appear to the disciples and say, Hey guys, like, get on with it. Um, just listen to the promise. Don't get so distracted with other things around you. When we read from John 14, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God and the promises of the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, it almost seems that the disciples didn't really pay too much attention to their previous discussions and their concern were other pressing matters. The disciples were concerned for something that they needed not be concerned about for right now. The restoration of Israel. The coming of the kingdom. And all of this is the Father's plan. And this was the Father's concern. It's like Jesus saying, don't you guys worry about the things that you have no control over. The Father has control over the restoration process. Again, Jesus is not saying that the restoration of the kingdom is not important but the time and the date need not be their concern. Rather, their concern was to be about the tasks of the kingdom because there's tasks, tasks to do. There is God's mission that they were called to participate in. The disciples were a little too distracted, though, and curious. They were distracted and curious about the future, which then prevented them from doing God's will in the present. Today, we continue to be part of that same kingdom on earth. Today, we are able to participate in that same mission. Today, we have the same promise of the same Holy Spirit given to us. And yet, how often don't we, like the disciples, get so distracted Maybe there's times that we're just so future-oriented and that we forget about the present. Or we are in in our present thinking and and we're distracted by so many other things that are going on. We're distracted by our circumstances that appear to be more important than anything that God might be promising to us. Our distractions often (laughs) kind of remind me of that 2009 animated movie up the older character whose house goes up with the balloons and and he's on this journey he's on this adventure and it's a scene with doug the talking dog and and doug's talking away and suddenly yells squirrel there's a lot of squirrels that distract us i mean sure these squirrels can be kind of neat and especially in exeter with the white squirrels but we're called to stay on task with the promise We, like the disciples, need to put our focus back on the promise and not be so distracted by other significant or insignificant things in our lives and even in our church. We need to keep our eyes on the promises of God and he's faithful and he will direct us. Again, Luke puts it into words in Acts 1-4. Do not leave Jerusalem But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. And then in verse 8, he goes on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, notice how there's a promise. But there's also a command attached to that promise. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses There is clarity as to what our response is to be. And you know, when we misunderstand the promise and get distracted with other things, we'll see a squirrel, we'll certainly misunderstand and miss the command. So, Jesus was instructing his disciples before his ascension to pay attention to the promise, pay attention to the command. Right before his ascension, Jesus calls the disciples back on track to the plans of the Father. And Jesus gets the disciples back to growing God's kingdom. Jesus gets them back on track with the Father's mission and his promise. And Jesus empowers the disciples to be representatives of Jesus Christ in this dark world. As followers of Jesus, we, the church are called to bring the message of Jesus into this world. The church is to proclaim that Jesus, he lived, that he died, that he rose from the dead, that he is alive. We proclaim Christ through faithful preaching. We proclaim, proclaim Christ by equipping people to go out into the community and the world. These are the plans of God, the mission of God. So let's get back to that promise. The promise is that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, will be given to the people. The Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit turns people into witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers disciples to witness to Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria. And remember, the Jewish people, they hated Samaria. So the Holy Spirit's going to send us into places where we don't even want to go and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit lights up the truth. The Holy Spirit lights up Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is not to draw attention to the Spirit himself, but the Holy Spirit is to draw attention to Jesus and what Jesus has done and continues to do for his people. I've shared this example before, but sometimes it's, Worth using examples over and over again. It's an example about signs. And in fact, this example may be more meaningful now with people paying more attention to signs because of the sign wars going on in Ontario and even beyond this uh, North America. When we drive by signs during the day, the signs are rather visible. But in order to see the signs in the dark, they have to have a bright light illuminating the sign. And this allows us to see the advertisement or the sign war saying. Now, businesses don't want you to drive by at night and say, oh, that's wonderful lights that they have on that sign. The business doesn't want us talking about the lights. They want people to talk about what's on the sign. The lights are to point to the message. The lights light up the message. They draw our attention to the message. The message. The Holy Spirit of truth points to the truth. The Holy Spirit of truth points to Jesus Christ. And the promise of the Holy Spirit upon the people is again so that through the people, the Holy Spirit along with the people point to Jesus. The promise of the Holy Spirit means that Jesus doesn't send his disciples out on their own strength or power. Jesus promises that with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the disciples will receive power and they will be witnesses. The disciples were witnesses. They could testify to Jesus' death, his resurrection, now to his ascension and in a few more days to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were called to witness that Jesus is alive They were to share the truth of Jesus and what he has done for his people, the forgiveness of all our sins. They were to testify who Jesus is, what he did, and how Jesus saves. In a few days from Ascension Day, at Pentecost, they were to share about Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, that promised gift. And so the disciples received The promise of the power. And today we too as God's people, as God's church, we receive that same promise. We receive that same power of the Holy Spirit in order to light up Jesus. We would not be the church without Jesus as the head of our church. And the power of the Holy Spirit upon us and upon our church. The building here doesn't make us church. The power of the Holy Spirit upon the people makes us the church. So the Holy Spirit is important and is a wonderful promise and gift to God's people and to his church. The Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit is to light up Jesus Christ. So Jesus can shine in us and in the world around us. So we and others can see the message of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of the Lord. To do the work in being the body of the church. And maybe part of the work is serving in office as, as elders or deacons. Maybe part of the work is using your gifts in other capacities. Financially, acts of mercy, prayer, leading in praise teams, just various leadership capacities. But whatever we do, we do not do it on our own strength. We do it on the strength and power of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we do it to make people aware of Jesus and his amazing grace, and his love, we've been given the promise of power through the gift and presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can illumine Jesus to this dark world. So people, as we recognize the ascension of Jesus this Thursday, do not only take time to recognize his lordship and his control over all creation, but, what also, but also what he promised us, And he promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit and power to be able to witness our Lord and Savior. Amen.